You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hello there and welcome back to Rebel Cells, the Star Wars animation podcast for the Bad Batch episode, Infested. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and with me, as always, my faithful co-host, the illustrious Joe Hogan. You thought I wasn't going to do it, did you? Didn't you? Yeah, no, I, I, I knew got you, you would. I knew you would. The day's never going to come when you don't. Yeah, no, it's not. It, you know why? Because you made a big deal about it. I know. Right? I opened my big mouth on the first episode yeah. and then didn't shut yeah. up every episode. Yeah, ever, you made so. a big deal about it. So I was like, that's well, it. that's what it is now. That's, that's it. what it is. Uh, uh, yeah, the Bad Patch infested. Um, it's an episode of the show. That's for sure. Ghostbusters trailer. <laughs> so the Ghostbusters trailer. <laughs> I, man, what a trailer, huh? Oh, I am so I, hyped. So hyped. I I look, I cribbing a little bit from the Force Awakens trailer. I, I mm. but you know, like it's not the only one that's done that since no. twenty fifteen. No. Um but I I I it's a it's a little heavy. And some people are like, Oh, the music is really good. I'm like, no, it's not. Because that's trailer it's not, music. It's that's trailer music. Like the like, it's always trailer music. The Ghostbusters soundtrack, the score specifically, like the score, not not the the uh, like songs that are placed in it, but the actual score, is a is a is a very unique score mm-hmm. that I don't feel like a lot of other movies. So I'm I'm a little bit worried that we're gonna get like a generic movie score on Ghostbusters. Which would be the worst thing ever because the the score like the do 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 like know. that. I feel like I remember hearing that. Is it Elmer, is the, com- the same? Elmer Bernstein was like involved, but like he okay. wasn't the composer. But I believe he was consulted. Okay. Some, I feel I like I heard so. this like a year so. ago that yeah. he was somehow involved uh, with that. I I don't remember what it actually was, but. I Cause, yeah, because I, I feel want, like they'll I, do it right. I, I, Rob Simonson appears to be the composer mm-hmm. for. You guys probably thought we were gonna just like mention that and move on. No, we're not. We're gonna <laughs> talk about Ghostbusters Afterlife for a half a second here. Um, yeah, man. I Rob Simonson. Hey, I impress us, please. Uh, this this is your chance because like yeah, he's uh, he's not got he's not got a, a lot of. Um, I mean, like this is there's big stuff here, but but uh, he's not really been a composer for all, all that long. Soundtrack, uh, uh, since like 2015. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, or well, what's the upcoming projects? No. Oh, here we go. Okay, composer. Sorry, that was something else. I hate IMDb. Uh, no, he's been <laughs> composing for a long time. Never mind. For a lot I don't know. Movies. I feel good about it. It's Jason Jason Reitman, 
He everything I else think about cares the movie about this so... movie more than anything, yeah. more than anyone on the planet. Jason Reitman cares about this movie. Did you I feel did, like this is going to be amazing? Did you watch movie. his trailer breakdown? That yeah, they of course on I did. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I uh, yeah, and he like he, the way he talks about it. It's like this movie is more than a movie for him. So um, yeah, no, I I I one hundred percent agree. So I'm sure that 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 it'll be fine. Um, but let's actually let's actually talk about some Star Wars. It's All tangentially right, related. If we well, let's talk it. about some actual actual Star Wars. <laughs> I a little bit of news, kind of, sorta, probably. Like this is this is in the rumor and speculation territory, but something did happen today that that kind of pushes it a little bit into the news territory. Um, a little a little while ago, I think like a week ago. I, what is it? Latino review or something like that. One of, one of those sites, um, one of the ones that is famous for, uh, leaking, uh, information. I, I posted that Ezra and Thrawn have been cast, um, mm-hmm. for, uh, live action. I don't know if they've been specific about what series they're showing up in. Um, I, the expectation is that they're showing up in Ahsoka, um, right. Uh, and uh, it's um, uh, Mina Masood who played Aladdin in the live action Aladdin remake, and then I, uh, and then uh, uh, Lars Mikkelsen who voices Thrawn in Star Wars Rebels has apparently been cast in live action as Grand Admiral Thrawn. Which, which, like, hey, here's the thing: uh, if if true, uh, yes, I am happy. <laughs> yeah, that's super uh, cool. Like I, I, I love both of these choices. I was really kind of pulling for Rahul Kohli as, as Ezra, um, just because I know, uh, how much of a, of a massive star Wars fan Rahul Kohli is. And I also know how much of a Rahul Kohli fan I am. So, um, (laughs) I would, I really wanted to see him in that role. Um, so there's a little bit of disappointment on that, but at the same time, uh, uh, uh is, uh, Canadian. So mm. I get that. That makes me happy. And I really liked him in Aladdin. I thought he was really great. Um, so this would be, this, this would be awesome. Then all he has to do is get cast in a Marvel movie. And then, uh, he and Ming-Na can, uh, hang out, uh, on a yacht together. Uh, and no one else is invited cause they haven't been in all three. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I, uh, and it, I mean, yeah, Lars Mikkelsen, that just makes sense. The, 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 obviously he's the voice of the character helped redefine the character. Um, the visual of Thrawn in star Wars rebels was like tweaked more towards the, like his look, like, 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 uh, to match, to match him. Um, <clears throat> so uh, yeah, I mean, like, I think that because because I think everybody else, but everybody back in the day, it was always like, like, I know, like Pierce Brosnan is one of the ones that always gets used in like uh, uh, when people are using like a photo reference for Thrawn. They always they'll always use Pierce <laughs> right. Brosnan. Um, the, I think I think the at the last celebration, those big posters that they did, I think that the Thrawn that makes his like that they did into the the Rebels one of those posters is very much like a Pierce Brosnan. Um, (laughs) But, uh, but, but I think Lars Mikkelsen definitely elevated that character. So him getting to play the character on screen and live action would be fantastic. 
this was all rumor until today when Rosario Dawson shared somebody else's <laughs> post on her Instagram. So this this post that she shared uh, came from a different account. It came from, I don't know, this is just like some random account as far as I can tell. Um, uh, but it, it says... Like it's got the caption on it, uh, Mena Masood and Lars Mikkelsen reportedly joins Ahsoka Disney Plus series. And then underneath this, this person has added, yes, the best news ever. I need my BIPOC representation in Star Wars. Can't wait to see my BBs thrive in Ahsoka as my fave characters in the universe. At Rosario Dawson at uh, uh, Mena Masood, right? And so she shared that onto her profile um like on like as a story onto her instagram which has people going like wait is this confirmed or is she just like just like us going like <laughs> uh you know like a uh, <laughs> big deal if true <laughs> right like um uh which i think is sort of the reaction i but she also leaked her own <clears throat> involvement <clears throat> yeah she did. Like she's like, and I'm a <laughs> And there's a very strong case to be made that Lucasfilm has been doing this on purpose. Mm. Um, <clears throat> that that in order for these conversations to dominate for an extended period of time, rather than just be an announcement. Uh, that happens and then everybody kind of moves on to, you know, whatever the next thing is <clears throat> when, when this stuff leaks in this way, podcasts and yeah. YouTubers and everybody, like we make videos about it for weeks until it's confirmed. Arguing right? about it, arguing about it back and forth, which just gives mindshare. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what they want at the end of the day. Like that's what publicists care about. They really don't care. It's the, it's the old adage. Uh, I, like there's no such thing as bad press. Right. Um, where it's like, it doesn't matter. Like that's why, that's why you see, uh, Lucasfilm doing absolutely nothing about these garbage YouTubers that <clears throat> they could absolutely have all of them DMCA off of YouTube if they wanted to. Lucasfilm and Disney have that power because anytime that we, uh, every week, every week with the podcast, we use copyrighted music mm. and we use, uh, promotional images from the show without credit. It's cause like, I don't put, I don't put on the album art or on the featured image for the post, like credit Lucasfilm. Right. So I'm, t- I'm technically breaking the rules on that, but like nobody does. Because we're doing a service for Lucasfilm. We're advertising mm-hmm. for them, right? So, you know, legally they have recourse and they can definitely shut it down if they wanted to. They choose not to. Like they choose, they is not, I shouldn't say that. From a legal standpoint, it's not that they choose not to. <clears throat> they pretend they do not see. <laughs> um, and, and so it's one of those like plausible deniability things of like, if I were to write an email to Lucasfilm and ask permission to use the music, they would have to tell me no. Right. And then they would have to pay attention to whether or not I listened. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it would be like, you got to take down all your podcasts. Mm-hmm. Right. 
So they absolutely have the ability to take Star Wars theory off of YouTube or I, I, what's the doom? Yeah. Doom Doom word. Let's call it doom chicken. chicken. You guys know who we're talking about, right? They have the ability because like these guys, they, they put, they put music, they put images and stuff like that uh, into their YouTube videos, video and stuff like that without proper accreditation, without, uh, clearances from Lucasfilm and Disney, so they can totally do that. They just they are choosing not to. Um, one of the things that kind of highlighted that this week is like when YouTubers are notoriously, uh, you know, with their with their garbage takes and their harassment and uh, uh, you know targeted hate campaigns against other people. Um, and using Star Wars or Marvel or Disney properties as the the excuse to do those things. Disney is conspicuously silent. This week, uh, a lot of that, that uh, ire has been directed at Kevin Smith and Netflix and Mattel over Masters of the Universe Revelation, which, by the way, is a phenomenal show that I cannot endorse enough as a lifelong masters of the universe fan. Um, like he man is in my DNA. I just did a whole episode. Uh, the, the exclusive Thunderquack episode for this month for July is just me talking for an hour and a half about masters of the universe revelation and my connection to, to Motu and all that stuff. So like, like I love it. I think it's fantastic. There's a lot of angry uh, man babies out there that are upset because uh, because um, because there's a girl uh, in 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 their He-Man show and and not not as there much always, He-Man I mean I'm not a, I'm not a He-Man guy but wasn't Yeah no yeah Tila is Tila was here's the thing in the original series Tila is Prince Adam's bodyguard like that's like that's her role in like the royal because like the, she's part of like the royal guard or whatever right and like mm-hmm. her father man at arms is he's that's his title his name's actually duncan man at arms is the the leader of the royal guard that's the the title of the person who's who's in charge and tila is specifically tasked with protecting prince adam which is always a bit of a joke because prince adam is he-man Everybody else seems to know. Not everybody. It's only Man at Arms, Orko, and Cringer, and the Sorceress, you know. But, but it's like all of Prince Adam's close friends, his whole inner circle, knows that he's He Man, except for Tila, whose job it is to bodyguard Prince Adam. <laughs> but then Prince Adam always disappears, and then He Man shows up, and then Tila goes and fights with He Man alongside him, right? Uh, and when I say fight, what I mean is that they go and they they shake their fists menacingly at Skeletor, and Skeletor shakes his fist back, and <laughs> then uh, then the episode somehow always resolves. I'm not sure because they never actually fight in the original He-Man series. Um, there's like there are like there were rules about Saturday morning cartoons back then. Um, like if you go back and watch that stuff, uh, it's actually kind of like Star Wars Resistance, just to relate it back to Star Wars. But <laughs> I I I there were rules about like he-man couldn't use his sword to do anything sword like um unless unless they were robots or something right but like he couldn't hit skeletor with a sword so you'll notice that like he basically only ever uses his sword as like a tool occasionally as like a baseball bat 
to hit a boulder <laughs> back at the bad guys. Cause, but but the bad guys always threw the boulder first. Right. He-Man would never like toss a boulder up and then hit it at them, right? It's always like they did something and he's just reacting. Like there's a, there are these weird rules that they that they kind of written into the show. But uh, but yeah, so they're all mad that they that uh, uh, that that a girl is is front and center for these first five episodes of Masters of the Universe Revelation, which okay, is ridiculous guys. in and of itself. <laughs> but then, like, they're all like like mad at Kevin Smith and saying that he lied about the show. It's not a He Man show, and he said no. that this was for He Man fans. And it's and it's like, look, as a like I said, as a He Man fan, I'm like, yeah, a hundred percent, he was telling the truth. This is like it, 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 it. Like I cried three times during the show, during the five episodes, um, like like once out of like sheer joy at like how amazing it was, and then two more times at like actual emotional beats um, with characters that I that I love, like that I adore. So it, like like he they nailed it. It is it is more than any uh, He Man messes the universe fan could ask for or deserves. To be perfectly honest, it's a it's a weird franchise to be this big of a fan of, because um, it, it really doesn't deserve it. It's just that we were children and it's nostalgia. Um, but so Kevin Smith like fired has fired back this week a bunch of times, like on his own Twitter. He's like basically shut up, man, babies. Uh, there's a uh, a variety article about it. There was, um, I think like an AV club article about it or like interviews with him where he's like, like you guys are, you guys are tilting at windmills here. Like there are five more episodes this season. And if we get to do more seasons, like the stuff that we have in store is like, like, like just cool it, you guys like, mm. like just be patient. So um, it's really funny to, and I saw a tweet today of somebody basically saying like wow can you imagine if disney or lucasfilm told these babies to shut up <laughs> like because they they never would they it's like like stuff happens and and like i mean like you like we saw it it was there was uh, a whole year of the last jedi and solo backlash mm. uh that was just these youtubers ripping into stuff um man that was such a drag time what it it really made being a Star Wars fan no fun for a minute yeah. there because you were always defending this thing that like again you were it was like such a weird like like uh, civil war almost of like we're we're all we all love Star Wars and for some reason we're all just arguing about who loves Star Wars the right way yeah it drives me nuts it drives me nuts I'm so glad that although like rise of Skywalker hit for me in the way that, that the last Jedi hit for a lot of those people. Um, that, that I think because it's the, the shoe is on the other foot, the, the people who had to deal with the last Jedi backlash after a certain point where like, like just disengaged with talking about rise of Skywalker, right? Like you guys, you guys hear me on this podcast constantly. Like when we start going down that path, I'm like, we don't, let's not like, I, I always use the saying, like, let's not exhume the corpse. Like it's <laughs> <laughs> the Simpsons joke of like, stop it. Stop. stop it's, He's already dead. <laughs> um, it's like, yeah, no, like, I think like, like everybody who's going to agree with me that rise of Skywalker is not the best star Wars movie. Um, is, is, you know, like I've convinced enough people. Um, and when I say convinced, I just mean that other people who already agreed with me have said that they agree with me. Um, 
there's no point. We don't need to, you know. I I, I got to that point so early too. Oh, I, it I was like, like three months. It was before it came out on oh, Blue Crane. Man, <laughs> right? Like, yeah, like, yeah. But even like, like when all this stuff was going on with the Last Jedi, yeah. I remember the first time I felt the way that I felt and decided how I felt was when, you know, Disney said, "Okay, we're going to erase all the old canon." And, you know, now we're going to make some new stories. That was the first time I said to myself, oh, that sucks. But you know what? It's all fiction. Who cares? Like you keep the things that you like. And and if you if you like new stuff, cool. It doesn't ruin the experience you had when you watch. Yeah. How many Spider-Man cartoons are there? Right. <laughs> None of yeah. them are canon with each other. Well, yeah. they might be now. Who knows? With the Spider-Verse <laughs> stuff going Technically, on. yeah. Multiverse makes everything canon all the time. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. But like. It, it, just because you like one more than the other and maybe you don't like this one doesn't negate what you liked about the last one. And like, they're not going to come to your house and take away the one that you like and be like, here, you're going to watch yeah. this one instead now. Like at that point, I was like, it's stupid to be upset about this because they're not taking anything away and anything you don't like. Don't watch again. It's not I, a big, this doesn't affect your life unless you this, let it. Yeah. Yeah. This, this, this whole discourse of, of like, like when stuff became legends and stuff like that. And they were like, Oh, they're, they're taking away our star Wars. And it's like, no, they're not. They're just putting a label on stuff. And then they're re-releasing all of it. You guys, like they've put out so many new editions of classic stories that everybody loves. And it's like stuff that I don't know that it was going to get that treatment under a different context. Right. Like like how often were they going back and like doing new versions of here's a really great example. Shatterpoint just got an audiobook. Mm. Shatterpoint didn't have an audiobook before. That's super cool. I didn't know and that. And they just went back and did like a full like it because and if they had done an audiobook at that time, it wouldn't have been to the level of quality of the ones that we get now. Right. But like they went back. They did that. They did they did like three of them, I think, that were all like that are all legends, right? And and here's the thing: if everybody goes and gets those audiobooks, they're gonna keep doing it. They'll keep like they they're gonna do the things that we right support. <laughs> so we're talking <laughs> like like and and I want them to like I want them to do all of those Clone Wars novels in audiobook format, right? Like, what, give me the Sessus Deception, give me Dark Rendezvous, man, like. Those are good. Those are good stories. They don't fit in the canon anymore, but who cares? It's the, (laughs) we say this a lot and it's not, it, this doesn't even come from us. I don't even remember the origin of this, but it is made up and in space guys. Like it's, I always love when, when I, when I, uh, they were doing uh, press for the force awakens and Oscar Isaac talked about going to Harrison Ford to get like pointers from him on how like like um, flying spaceships or whatever and uh, like in star wars and hans han solo harrison ford was like i don't know it's all made up <laughs> like it's I, I hate to bring it to you kid but it's not real <laughs> to which like he was like yeah no that's <laughs> just do what looks good <laughs> i'm i'm my uh, I'm killing myself with my exasperation this week <laughs> on the podcast. I yeah, no. I I don't know how we got there. Those that was like a tangent onto a tangent onto a tangent. Uh, Ezra and Thrawn have apparently been cast in the Ahsoka series. Oh yeah. I, that's I, where this began. That's where that that's where this began. <laughs> Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer. Let's do great. yo, I'm I'm Why ready do to we talk. have to wait. 
Why do we have to wait until November? I'm ready to go right. I will talk. I will be the Michael Cohen of the Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer podcast. I will not shut up about that. I'm ready to go. I'm positive I've pieced that entire movie together from two yeah. trailers. Yeah. I'm positive I know what's going to happen. Nothing is coming out in like in like two or three weeks. Like no, like like there's like a dead spot in movie releases. Yeah. Just move this movie. It's ready. It's is been it ready Suicide for over Squad? a year. When's Suicide Squad? Suicide Squad is this week. Okay. I I you know I I had I had it open. Let me see if I can get my my content calendar open again. Uh, no, I may have closed it too long ago. Um, I, but, uh, yeah, I, like, like, I, I know that between, uh, I mean, Paw Patrol is coming out in a, in a few weeks, (laughs) but I, I think that we can counter program against Paw Patrol and look, Hey, me and me and Kara, we will do a Paw Patrol Ghostbusters afterlife (laughs) double feature. There you go. Let me me tell you. you. Yeah. We've got, so Suicide Squad is this week. I, I, Jungle Cruise also. Um, is Suicide Squad this week or is it next week? Maybe it's next week. I think it's next week because yeah. I'm pretty sure it's the day that Carl is is visiting me. Okay, and pretty then sure Free Guy week. is is the week after that. Which like I'm look hate. I love Ryan Reynolds and Free Guy looks like it'll be a fun movie to watch on Disney Plus later, but. Ghostbusters Afterlife would trounce that movie. <laughs> it would just destroy <laughs> it. And then we got Paw Patrol the movie uh, the week of. Uh, uh, I have these in like I have the Monday here in here, so the week of August sixteenth. So extrapolate that to what the twentieth. Uh, and then Candyman, and then Shang Chi. You know what though? Like this is the thing. This is the thing. I'm I'm listing these movies. There is a, there is a two week gap in here for me of like movies that I care about that are like Thunderquack. Uh, uh, content drivers between Shang Chi. There's two. There's two weeks. The first two weeks of September, um, uh, where there's those Fridays yes. uh, are nothing, and then Venom Two comes out. But then Dune Ooh. and Adam's Family come out <laughs> at the end of I guess, like the beginning of October. But then October is like super dry. There's like nothing in there geeky, and then. And then Eternals and Ghostbusters Afterlife are one after the other. Like to me, it's like I don't know. Putting out Ghostbusters Afterlife the week after Eternals seems like a like a worse move than putting out Ghostbusters on like the week of October fourth, so that mm. it's just in the theaters all of October. But that's just me. Put it out right now, and I will go see it. I'll stop recording this podcast and go to the movie theater if if it were out. Yeah, right now. Yeah. If, if, I would if drop Jason Reitman was like, you can go watch it. I would just, I would take my computer and smash it on the ground uh, and Jeez. run, not walk to the local movie theater. Uh, yeah. It seems like very excessive of Jason Reitman to ask of you, but <laughs> it's a bit much, but <laughs> this is a Star Wars podcast and we're sure. talking about Star Wars. So let's sure. get into, let's get into our episode recap. All right. What else you got? Hyperdrive's online. Cross that, take the towers. How many are there? Five of them. That's Clone Force 99. This is Wrecker, Hunter, Echo, Tech, 
and Crosshair. My name's Amiga. The Clone Wars have ended. You can either adapt and survive, or die with the past. Now, it's time for the Rebel Cells. Good soldiers follow orders. Episode recap. All right, Infested, the 13th episode of season one of The Bad Batch, directed by Saul Ruiz and written by Amanda Rose uh, Munoz. Uh, Mu- Mu- Munoz? Mu- Mu- Munoz? I don't know. I don't know. Somebody tell me. I... Cool name, though. Yeah, no, it's a great name. I'm just, I, I'm just an ignorant white person. That's all. <laughs> you know, like, I, and 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 I'm, I'm, I need to own that, and I need to do better. Um, I need to learn how to pronounce accented letters. That's really what that's about. Is that like, I see the little curly guy above the N, and I don't know what that means. <laughs> I well, think I know what that right? means. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's like it's like the sort of N Y sound, right? I think yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yes. But, uh, only only from you know casually uh, understanding like 10 words in spanish so <laughs> anyways uh let me get into this the bad batch arrive at ord mantel back from another mission <laughs> i guess they blasted off again sometime before <laughs> and now they're back uh sid's parlor is strangely busy and new security greets the team at sid's office door uh, once inside they find that sid is gone and in her chair is a young deveronian man Sid's out. This parlor and Ord Mantel are now my territory, he says. But if you're looking for work, I might have use for you. Uh, The Bad Batch, however, take their leave. Sid is waiting for the Bad Batch at the Marauder. So you boys met Roland, she says. He's a former client and the son of a crime boss, Isa Durand. Uh... Roland's trying to make a name for himself by joining up with the Pikes. She explains that Ord Mantel is connected to multiple hyperspace routes, uh, ideal for smuggling. Roland took over Sid's parlor because it's right in the middle of the action. Um, I don't know if you guys can tell, but this episode is maybe a little light on the story. (laughs) So that's why we're talking about a million other things. It's not a bad episode. It's not, not filler. <laughs> it's not filler because I I think that this goes a long way to establishing our relationship with Sid, um, and 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 sort of strengthening the ties with with that character, as well as establishing this character of uh, uh, Roland Durand. Uh, Durand. I don't remember how they how they pronounced it. Mm. Um, as well as establishing. And here's where this is going to be a bit of a long walk, but come with me on on this this little journey that I have in store for us. Establishing that Ord Mantell, I mean, like we already know Ord Mantell as as Ord Mantell, right? Uh, uh, junk planet, you know, like uh, uh, Shadows of the Empire. You get on a train, everything's garbage. Yeah. Um, uh, bounty hunter on Ord Mantell, you know, I, mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. already kind of know it in the star Wars galaxy as sort of like a hub. It's a, it's a, it's a scum and villainy type of situation, right? That's why we're here. That's why Sid operates out of Ord Mantell. Um, but we're establishing in Canon that it is a hyperspace hub, right? Like it's like the, it connects to multiple routes. So, uh, I couldn't decide whether or not to say root or route there, so I said both at the same time. Uh, 
I so crime syndicates are going to be very interested in Ord Mantell. We've seen a couple of characters make interesting returns on this show. I, I, I don't think this is happening in season one, unless there's a tease at the very end of season one. But I, the Pikes being involved is very specific. Mm. I, I, we did refer earlier in this season to a character that may or may not have shown up <laughs> in the Clone Wars in relation to a certain character uh, that connects the movies to the animation. And, uh, you know, so I like what I'm driving at is that I think Crimson Dawn is going to come into play at some point in the in the near term maybe towards the end of this season depending on how the next couple episodes go maybe as a new threat in season two um i think that we are heading into that time of lawlessness that uh the beginning of solo references um and and i think that that i i do think that we're 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 going to get Crimson Dawn. We're going to, we might get, um, uh, uh, Darth Maul at some point. We're, we're almost certainly going to get, uh, uh, Oh my God, Paul Bettany. What's his character's name? Uh, Dryden Voss. Dryden Voss. Thank you. Um, we're almost certainly going to get Dryden Voss. They didn't make that character model to have him be in a half a second of footage in Clone Wars season seven. He is definitely coming. Uh, will he be the one who kills Sid? Probably. Mm. That's what I'm leaning towards. Because Sid is going to die at some point in this series. Um, I, uh, right when she shows how loyal she actually is to the Bad Batch. In particular to Omega. Um, I That's the moment that she's done for. I, I, and like this episode is a, is a, is a stepping stone on the way there. So filler episode is that term that gets thrown around for episodes like this one, where it's like, Oh, well, this isn't actually about anything. It's like, no, this is absolutely about something. It's just not about this season. It's this episode is about next season, I think. Um, and, and, and we will look back and go like, okay, yeah, no, that like, Cause here's what's gonna happen. Here's what's gonna happen. Are you ready for this? This speculation. Uh, am I? I don't, you tell me. Am I? I uh, Dryden Voss is not somebody that you want to be doing business with. Darth Maul is not somebody you want to be doing business with. The Bad Batch is going to find themselves on the bad end of Crimson Dawn, and Sid will be out. But these characters, Isa, Durand, and Roland, will be in and basically like Roland is g- going to kind of owe them one after this episode of like, of like, Hey, you know, like we could have just, you know, let the pikes do whatever uh, with you. But uh, you know, we, we did like, we basically saved your bacon. Now, <laughs> you know, we need a favor from you sort of thing. So like, cause this guy, like you don't introduce this character 
as like a one-off like okay he's there and then he's gone and you certainly don't like have a whole exposition monologue about his mom (laughs) right like yeah that was weird yeah it's very it's very weird in the midst of this so that says to me it's like oh these are just all Chekhov's guns that are being set up that'll go off uh in later acts so so all of that to say uh this episode's boring um (laughs) it's a little bit on the boring side but it's beautiful it visually it kept me interested uh throughout and and especially at the climax of the episode i thought it was really cool but uh but uh yeah um plot wise i don't know it didn't do a lot for me but but it's not like i'm like i said it's not bad by any stretch of the imagination it's 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 better than than uh, a, a a very large two fists full of Clone Wars episodes. Like I could I could name a lot of Clone Wars episodes that I would not watch again, and so I have no I would have no problem watching this again. Um, but it was just a little bit like I I found the pacing to be really slow. There there was a lot of okay now we need to move quietly and slowly, <laughs> like don't make any noise. And I was like okay cool. <laughs> it's not really i'm not i'm not really excited i'm not really jazzed about this at the moment but that's fine um how about you what are your thoughts how are you feeling about all everything that i just said so my favorite thing about the ghostbusters trailer um i this i don't know man this i mean i i i hear what you're saying it makes sense that they're they're planting seeds i feel like nothing in the show is ever set up by accident but like I don't know, man. I usually watch every episode twice, once by myself and once with Tina. And we happen to not watch it together this week. And I know next week, or rather this week, uh, before we watch whatever the new episode is together, Mm -hmm. she's going to want to watch last week's episode. I don't want to watch this episode again. I don't know, man. I... It hey, felt hey, like it felt I like a video game level. It felt I don't like the want Gears to of watch War it again. Level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to watch it again. But like, I, if somebody was like, "Let's watch it," I would be like, "Okay, whatever." <laughs> I'd probably be sitting on my phone for the most part. But yeah, but yeah, it's yeah, it's not. I don't find any of it offensive. It's not this. It's not like the yeah, story it's doesn't not make offensive, any sense or but it's just, or anything. But it's, it's yeah. It, I don't know, man. It just it really fell flat in the. I guess I'm just disappointed that we finally hit an episode in this show where I wasn't like, I want to break out all my action figures right now. Yeah, yeah. This this whole episode was the, man, I really miss those episodes where something big happens or like a crazy plot. Especially like last week, man. Like last week's episode ended on such a like, whoa, what's going on with the clones and like, Hauser is, is, is sticking up for everyone. Like, what's going on? This is crazy. And then we get this episode where it's like, all right, it's the Gears of War episode where you can't go in the dark and yeah. you, you use light to protect yourself from the bugs. Okay. This is, but this is definitely the calm before the storm. I think, yeah. I think the next three yeah. weeks are going to be as intense as the series has been. I mean, like the next episode being titled War Mantle. Um, a, yeah, I, I, I think that we are in for a good time until the end of the season, which like, we're almost done. We got three weeks left. Like, we're... That, isn't that like sad? Cause like, e- e- despite my whining right now about this episode, it has not dulled my excitement for what's to come. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Especially because you're exactly right. There's three episodes left. 
things are about to get hairy, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, the t- titling something uh, a war mantle, uh, knowing what that is referring to. I mean, like, I think that the Hauser thing is going to be picked up uh, immediately in war mantle and that what I've been hoping for uh, with like the clone trooper rebellion is like, we're, we are on the eve of that. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. coming um, that, that like, I mean, like as, as you guys are listening to this on a Wednesday, I, I, it, tomorrow night at midnight, <laughs> we're going to, we're going to get war mantle. And I think we're going to get a lot of, this clone stuff. And I, and I think that the last two episodes might be battle of Camino stuff. I I'm really getting that. That would be insane. After the Hauser stuff. It's like, yeah, there, there are clearly clones that are thinking for themselves that like Mm -hmm. the, the, this, the chip is not a one size fits all sort of thing. Um, uh, and, and they all kind of, there are various reasons why they might react differently. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Could we see, could we see, uh, Rex come back maybe with Gregor and Wolf, maybe, you know, like, like there's a whole bunch of stuff that we could speculate about. Um, but let's get through this episode. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you you do the next section? All right. Sounds good. I didn't color code these. Oh no. I'll do this. No, we'll be all right. Well, don't worry. I mean, if you want to do it while I'm, while I'm reading, that's fine. Um, Sid wants the Bad Batch to help her take the parlor back and threateningly reminds them that she knows their secrets. Though Hunter is dubious, Omega is eager to assist Sid as she wants help to them. Sid's plan is to sabotage a deal between Roland and the Pikes that is to happen tonight. She leads the Bad Batch to an old Ord Mantell mining tunnel, which they'll use to sneak into her office. Sid and the Bad Batch use mining carts to travel through the tunnels. But Sid stops when they arrive at a set of doors. When we pass through those doors, not a peep. Oh, I should have done it. Huh? When we pass through those doors, not a peep from anyone, she says. <laughs> we don't want to wake the hive. I channeled my best Janine Melnitz in the spirit. Since we're in the mines, just like Ghostbusters Afterlife, and Janine Melnitz with her Sid in her Queen's accent. Yes. <laughs> um, uh-huh. This... Uh, you might have mentioned it already. Why did Roland take over the parlor? Uh, just because he's trying to be a big boy. <laughs> he's tra- he wants to be he wants to be a gangster big boy. So All right. I think he's trying to step out of his uh, uh, his dad's his shadow or his, whatever. I think it's it's his mother. It's I, uh, oh, okay. uh, uh, Isa. I I believe I think that they say that at some point. I don't, I don't know why I would have that in my head otherwise. Um, but yeah, I, he's, he's trying to step out on his own and make a name for himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I, th- I think that he saw Sid as an easy target mm. because Sid would appear that way to a lot of other people. Right. But, um, uh, yeah, I think she's got a lot of allies in her back pocket, similar to <laughs> the bad batch. Mm. Uh, but uh, yeah, yeah, I think that's all that's about. Um, I like I like some people drawing the analogies to um, uh, to Lord of the Rings <laughs> with the like, which will be in the next section here when like uh, record drops his flashlight. It's like <laughs> uh, it's like when uh, which one? It's either Merry or Pippin. It doesn't make a difference. Knocks the skeleton down the well. Mm. And, uh, 
and and then and then the goblins and the and the Balrog show up. Um, spoilers for Lord of the Rings. I, I oh man. And then Gandalf doesn't die. I, I, I mean, like he dies, but he doesn't die. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm gonna say something that might be controversial. This is this is maybe my big nerd controversial opinion. I yeah. think I think he should have died. He should have stayed dead. Gandalf? Yeah, I don't think Gandalf should have come back. And that's nothing against the character. I just think it really craps all over his sacrifice that he just comes back. Like, it was a big deal that he sacrificed himself so that they could get away. And it was a big, powerful moment. And then yeah. he's just, oh, I'm back now. All right. I, think, I don't know. I think that... Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien did the same thing to himself that George Lucas did with Star Wars with A New Hope where uh, because like George has talked about this about about where Yoda came from which is that like (laughs) he wrote all of these stories and then he was like dang I am I I cannot fit all of this into one movie they're never gonna let me do this it's gonna be like a four-hour movie I'll, I'll just do th- this, but like, I'm get, but like, you know, in order for it to be a complete story, I got to do these things now you gotta hit the beats, in this, yeah. in this first act. Um, and he kills Obi-Wan and then it's the biggest movie ever. And he's like, Oh man, I gotta make another one of these. <laughs> Who's going to teach Luke how to be a Jedi. And he had to come up with Yoda. When, ghosts and Yoda. Yeah. Ghosts and Yoda. And, and J.R.R. Tolkien was like, I haven't really defined what these wizards are, have I? <laughs> he comes back to life. He's he's different now, though. He's not the same one. Now he's this other one. I uh, and 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 then like you know I, I I'm I'm being a little bit flippant. Like J.R.R. Tolkien had had his weird notes about the languages and the species and and races and whatever. And uh, I don't remember what they're called, but the. Is it maybe it's Einar or something? I, that might be something else. But the wizards are actually angels in in the Tolkien mythology. I don't know if you know that. They're like um, I don't. <laughs> they're like these agents of there's a, there's there's a there's a light god and a dark god, and the dark god is basically Sauron, right? Like it's not mm-hmm. Sauron specifically, but like they, like Sauron is like the embodiment of this of okay. this. I can't remember what it is. Um. And then, but and there's a good one, and his agents on in Middle Earth are are the wizards. So there's like there's Gandalf, who's Gandalf the Gray, and Saruman the White, and uh, Radagast the Brown, and like there's all of the different wizards, and they're all this this species of what this race of whatever uh, uh, they are. Um, and so like that's like like when he fights the Balrog, which is a devil right like it's a demon or whatever i uh, it's it's like a there's like christian allegory going on there <laughs> very obvious christian allegory going on there and so gandalf being reborn is all part of that or whatever but um it is really a really struggle talking about this episode today huh <laughs> really it's just about it's just about bringing back the character because they needed somebody to explain Mm-hmm. Saruman and, and right. Sauron and the Palantirs and like you have to have it like it, like I think most other writers would have been like and then they meet a different wizard <laughs> right which I think I I I you know what I'm kind of now that you're bringing it up I've never really thought about it I think you're probably right 
I think mm-hmm. having a completely different character show up might be more effective for that moment. I also think that having Gandalf show up uh, uh, has its own charm. Um, yeah, for sure. I mean, look, I, I'm not claiming like, oh, I, I move over Tolkien. I'll write a better story. I just, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I just, I never liked that. And before Mandalorian season two, I thought Boba Fett sucked. Those were my two big nerd yeah. uh, controversial opinions. Before now Mandalorian like season two, Boba Fett did suck. Um, yeah. He was he was only ever cool looking uh, until they put him in some comic books where he did some cool stuff mm. and then and then wrote some books that explained why he was so cool, which is always fun to talk <laughs> about where his armor comes from and why that's neat. Um, I, and then the prequels came out and made him super not cool. And that's no that's no. <laughs> yeah, that was a conscious like effort Daniel by Logan. George. But yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. It was like uh, in the same way, like he did it twice. He did it two movies in a row and he almost did it in Revenge of the Sith and somebody convinced him not to. I love it. I don't know if it, if he convinced himself or if it was somebody else, but he was going to put baby Han Solo on Kashyyyk with Chewbacca oh, and, 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 and it, and he would have, it, it would have been the hat trick. He would have gone three for three of like, oh, Hey, you know, those characters that you love. They were obnoxious as children. Mm. Uh, it's like, well, yeah, because all children are obnoxious. I love my own kids. They are children. They're obnoxious. You know, I just, I just like, I lost it today on Kara because she just keeps asking why, and I was like, you know, who asks the question? Who just asked the question why? Silly people ask the question why. Oh man, silly ridiculous people. Because you can't say you can't say dumbasses, right? <laughs> to, a, to a five-year-old, um, I and I and she was like, "Oh," and I was like, "Ask me any question you want in the world, anytime, and I will answer your question." But ask me an actual question, and she was like, "Okay." And then for the rest of the day, for the rest of the day today, she's just she's only at. I was like, they have to be full sentences. It cannot be what, why, where. How, like it's it you have to ask me an actual question and it, it worked today tomorrow she'll have forgotten the conversation this is why children are obnoxious because she'll have forgotten the conversation and she'll just be like why 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 and it's not until the third or fourth why that you realize that it's happening because when somebody asks you why you you tend to just answer like it's a reflex especially with a kid and, but then they keep going and then you realize oh this is never going to end this, you just literally described that the bit it from Animaniacs, yeah, happens to you in real life. It was Mindy yeah. is the character's name? Yeah. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's not a bit. That's just life with children. <laughs> that's, that's just that's, life with. It's just art imitating life. Okay. Yeah. No, that's just five year olds. Uh, they continue the journey when a sound startles Trekker. He clumsily <laughs> drops his flashlight into the ravine below. And uh, and Gandalf hits him over the head and says, "Fool of a took." Uh, no, that's I'm mixing things. Those are those are that's a different moment. That's when he touches the the palantir, right? Uh, as they pause, growls and chatterings can be heard somewhere in the distance. The group presses on until they finally arrive at a ladder leading to Sid's office. Meanwhile, Ketch leads Ruby, now Roland's pet, out of the parlor and captures her with Bolo. Uh, Roland's soldiers search for the creature and catch 
gives the all clear signal to Sid and the Bad Batch. The Bad Batch head into the unoccupied office and locate Roland Spice. They quickly bring it down into the tunnels. Uh, did you know, this is a fun fact, uh, that Ruby was in an episode already? Yeah, it was in that episode that opened yeah. where they were being chased, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The little, um, uh, yeah. Yeah, I I didn't clock that until I read it on the website because uh, I was just like, oh, that thing's neat. <laughs> um, that weird lizard thing. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, so it's funny because like it is like uh, it implies that it, like between the scenes, I uh, that that Sid obviously delivered this lizard pet to Roland. And that's when Roland showed up and was like, I'm taking over your operation. Uh, I think that's I, I think that's the we're meant to read between those lines of like that happened. Wait, say, say that again. I'm not sure I follow that. Like, so so I uh, the Bad Batch went and got this thing right. for uh, for Sid, mm-hmm. presumably at the behest of Roland. Right. OK she called Roland in of like, come collect your lizard thing. And he showed up and was like, I'm taking over your operation. Oh, right. <laughs> right. That like, I, th- I think while I, I, I the, the bad batch were running these other, these other missions, like with, with, um, that was so long ago with though. Hera and whatever it was. It, it, I think it feels like that because the last, ep- the last thing was two episodes. Right. But so it was only really three episodes ago. Oh, really? I was yeah. thinking this was like episode five or six or something. No, I feel like that was the end of there. That was like the beginning of of the episode. Bef- the one, the one with the tanks, right? Oh, is that right? Is it? I think so. I think so. I don't know. I could open the episode guide and find okay. out the the Andoran one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, no, Raxus. No, uh, Raxus. Raxus. Yeah. I, we thought it, I thought it was Onderon, but it's Raxus. Yeah. Onderon was early on. Um, I'll uh, I'll 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 look that up while you read the next section if you want. I think that we um, already talked about all of the sounds stuff about that. Good. Uh, outside, Ruby manages to escape from her cage and begins to shriek. Catch and Bolo make a run for it while Roland's goons follow. Roland enters to his return. I'm sorry. Roland returns to his office to find his spice gone. Enraged, he quickly deduces that the thieves escaped down the mining shaft and orders his security to pursue. The bad batch are able to defeat Roland's enforcers, but they make a lot of noise in the process. As they approach the doors, the group again hears rumblings and strange sounds. Sid, I don't like this, Omega says. Suddenly, swarms of large, bug-like creatures fly upward. Tech realizes that the creatures are avoiding the light and encourages the team to use their torches. To Sid's dismay, the animals grab and drop the spice containers. Finally, they make it through the doors, which Wrecker uh, closes tightly. Here's my thing. This would have been more effective in my opinion, if um, one of the Bad Batch was also grabbed uh, uh, at the same time. Um, It also would have been a great moment to introduce that one of them maybe is afraid of bugs. Uh, Mm. 
I'll nominate Tech because I was just gonna say really, give Tech something to do. Tech he really doesn't have a lot of stuff, right? So like having Tech get get um, separated from the group would give that character something to do. Uh, and then uh, uh, you know I'm I'm discovering. I think that you're right. I think it was a while ago that that uh, that the yeah it felt like a ways the, away the, that the lizard thing. Yeah, no, you're right. It was yeah, it was all the way back in Battle Scars. So yeah, it was like. It was like I don't know what ep- what number that episode is, but that was like a month and a half ago. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so you're right, I was wrong. Um, yeah, it was a while ago. Um, but yeah, I, I feel I feel like it like they could have they could have sort of just uh, amped this up, raised the stakes a little bit with mm. by by putting somebody else in danger. Um, and Tech really hasn't had any like real human emotional moments at all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not not really. I, I yeah, I guess I guess like none at all. Yeah, I'm kind of waiting for that because he is my favorite of them. He got a lot of screen time in the premiere in the in the first three mm-hmm. episodes. I feel like Tech was doing a lot of the explaining, the the exposition before we met Sid, <laughs> and then we met Sid, and all of a sudden now Sid does all of the exposition. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah. Uh, uh where so where are we at now are, are we uh roland interrogates catching right? uh, uh 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 oh there we go okay uh i got totally lost in all that <laughs> well you uh, were looking up you were looking up other stuff yeah i was You're looking fine. up other stuff um roland interrogates catching bolo but they do not know where sid took the spice at that moment, the Pikes arrive seeking their product. They are not pleased to learn it was stolen. Uh, Sid and the Bad Batch return to the parlor and find Roland's forces defeated. As the Pikes lead Roland away, the young Deveronian says that Sid is the one they want. When Sid claims to have no spice, the Pikes prepare to kill everyone present. Hunter, however, intervenes and says they know where the spice is. They ultimately agree to leave Omega with the Pikes and go retrieve the spice. Tech informs the team that the creatures they encountered are, are called Erlings, nocturnal insects with visual sensitivity to thermal registers. It will be best if they strike before nightfall. Sid volunteers to go with Wrecker into the caverns. I got the kid into this mess. I'll get her out, she says. Um, so here's my thing. Here's my thing. If they had waited 15 minutes, sure, Roland would be dead, right? Because the Pikes would just kill him when you plan to steal the spice in the first place, isn't that, wasn't that always the plan, you know, like, Mm. like to, to, that the pikes would deal with him. They killed everybody else. We don't, there's no tears shed over all of these enforcers being killed or whatever. Right. Um, but whatever I, so if they had just waited 15 minutes, this problem would have been dealt with and they wouldn't have had to deal with the pikes and the lost spice and whatever, right? I mean, like maybe, maybe before he was killed, Roland would have been like, "Sid took the spice," and then the Pikes would be after Sid. But it would be a very different scenario than them walking back in and being like, "Hey, we're here," and it's like, "But the Pikes are very dangerous. Why are you presenting yourself on a platter to them so that they can take Omega?" Now, we'd have no reason to go back down into the caverns. The episode would be over. So we need that reason. If Tech had gotten lost. That would have been the reason. And then and it would have been like, we have to go back in and then the Pikes show up and are like, 
yeah, you do. You have to go get our spice, right? And so now they have to find tech and they have to find the spice or everyone's going to die, right? Mm -hmm. So we've now taken it from like, oh, no, tech is gone. We've raised the stakes there to, oh, no, tech is gone and the pikes are going to kill everyone if we don't bring back this spice. Now we've got like a ton of tension in the episode. Whereas like, I don't... I think that is my big problem with this episode is that like when we get to this third act, everyone's going to be fine. <laughs> right? Like they're okay. So they're going to, they got to go back down and get the spice. Omega is not in danger. Um, I hope they don't do this a lot. It's not bothering me in this one, but if we do this again, where Omega is just like used as a bargaining chip constantly of like, we'll hold on to the girl while you yeah. guys go do the mission. It's going to get tiring really fast because it's taking away agency from Omega, who I honestly thought by this point in the season, we were going to be seeing her taking on much more of an active role, mm. um, especially after the, the common ground storyline of like the, the strategy stuff. It's like, okay, so when are we going to get to see that strategy stuff in action, right? That, like, she's got this strategic mind. Um, so what you're saying is if if they just aired this episode before that one, it wouldn't have felt so, like, disjointed for you. Uh, yeah, possibly. That's a good point. Okay. Like, I just, I just like, I, it, like I said, it, it didn't bother me while I was watching this episode of, like, oh, no, they've taken Omega. I'm just, my issue is with this episode specifically, it doesn't matter. Take Omega. You're not going to kill the kid. She's the core of the story, right? Like, like, and also she's a child on a cartoon show. We're (laughs) we're not going to kill Omega. Um, I, so, so there's no actual tension there. Whereas like tech getting lost, there's tension there because something could happen to tech. I don't Mm -hmm. think that they would kill him in the first season, but I don't know. Maybe he could lose a leg, (laughs) right? Like maybe, maybe a bug could gore him and he, and he would be out for the next mission. And then, and now, you know, like we're down a man, like we don't, we don't have tech. He's got to stay on the ship and, uh, uh, and, you know, like create tension in the next few stories with like tech is just the man in the chair now. Right. Like there's stuff that you could do to one of the adult, clones that you can't do to omega so um, i just hope they don't do it until they everybody kind of gets their time in the sun because i think tech and echo especially need more time to cook like there's a lot of stories we could tell with them because we haven't done much with them so i i agree with you i think you're you're absolutely right i think any, any one of these guys could be gone next season or maybe even well, at the end it, of this it, season Who it knows? doesn't it doesn't have to be death either right like it, no. in in the same way that like for crosshair it it was a transformation right like mm-hmm. he went he he went through a trauma that has you know turned him into a different character i think there are things that you could do to several of these characters that would give you the opportunity to to explore their psyche a little bit right um I mean, like in the way that, like, did, did they kill Kanan and see at the end of season two of Rebels? No, they didn't kill him. He fought Vader and Maul. I guess he never he fought Vader at the beginning of season two, but he fought Maul. Maul didn't kill him, but he did take away his sight. And now all of a sudden, we have this whole storyline 
of Kanan, you know, being unsure of himself and, and having to get back his confidence and, and the, 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 the blind swordsman stuff, right? Like, which was really interesting and a great evolution of that character. You could do similar stuff to these, to these guys, right? Like, Mm -hmm. like I, I, you know, you could put echo in a situation where his, uh, his, his non-biological components, I have failed and and what what are the repercussions of that right like it does that make him unstable mentally i don't know maybe is it just a, a physical difficulty of like he's got robot parts in him that keep him going right like like is it like a darth vader sort of situation um and then with tech i think like tech is already the least physical of the group what if you took that away entirely from that character right like like what if you paralyze tech right we don't really have any characters in star wars that that represent that sort of idea um other than you know uh, the amputees that end up with with robot parts but but what if like it wasn't that but it was like this other thing and so like tech ends up in like a hover wheelchair of some sort or something like that and it's like he can't go on missions anymore um, and he has to redefine himself as a, as a character or something like that, you know, like, That'd be like, pretty neat. like you could, you could, there are like, and I'm not saying that I want them to do that or, or anything else in particular. I'm just using that as an example of like, there are ways mm-hmm. to put these characters into peril and have tension. That doesn't mean that they're going to die. Right. Omega is not one of those characters. Right. Here's what you could do to Omega. The only thing that you could do to harm Omega is she could lose an eye. That's it. Maybe a hand. Maybe a hand and get a robot hand. But we've already got Echo. He's already got a robot mm-hmm. hand, right? But like, much like uh, Carl in uh, Walking Dead, <laughs> I, I, you know, like, like that's what that's what they do in Walking Dead. Like he he loses an eye, and then you know, spoilers for Walking Dead, I guess. Um, it's like, that's sort of like, that's the level of harm that you can put that those child characters in where like they can, that obviously becomes its own thing and, 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 and is part of a character's evolution. But, um, but I don't think that you would be as extreme as you could be with the, the adults in the, in the group. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, but yeah, you know, I, I say all of that. I don't know what they have planned for the rest of the season. I don't know what they have planned for these characters in the long run. So uh, putting them in physical peril, like putting the like ratcheting the tension up in that way, it might not be the right time for that to happen. And maybe that's stuff that's going to happen later. So let me pose you this question. Three sure. episodes left. Do you think this season we're going to get your your uh, prediction about Crosshair getting his chip out and being like, I'm still the bad guy? I do. I I think that Nala say has a way of turning off all of the inhibitors. Mm. Um, and I think that it's going to be a major component in in this upcoming battle in this in this interesting thing. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't. But but at the same time, it's like I don't know how much the Empire has progressed with their stormtrooper program, right? The fact I guess that, we'll find out next week. This the week, fact right? that it's called War Mantle, War Mantle and the War next Mantle. episode is called War Mantle makes me feel like they're a lot further along than we thought. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I, and that we might and that we might see War Mantle sort of like going into full scale 
in the next, like the Operation War Mantle going full scale in the next episode, which is setting up the final two of like, and, and I, and I do think that the final episode of the season 16 will be an hour long. So I think that we'll get like War Mantle is going to set up a bunch of stuff this week. The following week, we're going to get the beginning of like, like, like not not setting up the battle of of uh of Topoka City like the battle of Camino but um but like like the the sort of the build up to it and then the last episode will be an hour long like 44 minute long it'll it's going to be a battle like it's going to be everything that that happens the fight right um that's my prediction for the rest of the season so I do think that like in order for us to get to the point where that's going to happen, like, like something has to happen with the inhibitor chips. It has to be more than just like some of the clones are less uh, inhibited, I guess, than, Mm. than others. Um, I think that that will be an issue. And I think that, that um, I, 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 who's the, who, Who's the prime minister? Is that that's Lama Su, right? Lama Su, Tonway, Nalase. Nalase. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think that Lama Su will be like activate all of their things or something like that. Or you know what? I think actually like Lama Su will probably be the one who gives Nalase the the order to shut them off because I think what'll happen is they'll see the writing on the wall in the next episode of mm-hmm. like the empire is coming for us. Like they're going to shut this operation down. They're, we are probably not going to survive this. It's not just that, that financially, like I'm never going to fi- financially recover from this. <laughs> I, I, it's not just that. That's definitely a concern, but the whole thing about getting Omega back, it what is that they're like, we need the template so that we can produce more clones so that we can protect ourselves. Like that to me was sort of the tone that Lama Su had of like, this isn't, this isn't like a fiscal survival. This is like life or death survival. Um, And that's why they're kind of going to the extremes that they are. So I could see them being like, like we, like you guys don't realize we own these clones. They were just leased to you, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? To the, to the empire. And when the empire comes for them, that, that they're going to be like, clone troopers please defend us <laughs> um so yeah i don't know I, that and 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 then i think like by virtue of that we're gonna get that moment of like all the inhibitor chips are turned off and they're like and then they go out to fight against stormtroopers and there's crosshair at the front of all of these clone tro- uh, uh, stormtroopers leading the charge and it's gonna be like wait i thought the inhibitor chips were turned off and he and he'll be like yeah i just want to kill you guys now you betrayed me. Like you left me for dead. You burnt my face off. I, I, I don't like you anymore (laughs) and I'm going to kill all of you. Um, I think, I think that's, what's going to happen. I don't think that crosshair will die. I, I, at the end of the season though, I think he'll be, end up separated from the empire and separated from the bad batch. Like he'll be kind of on his own and be a, a loose cannon, uh, free agent. Yeah, but not like not even like working for anybody else, just with the mm. sole purpose of like really just with an axe to grind with Hunter more than mm. anything. 
um but but that everybody else is kind of uh uh caught caught up in the in the crossfire of the two of them going at it and that's going to be like a a point of tension in season two of them being like like hunter you have to like we have to put an end to this fight like somebody's gonna end up dead (laughs) and and hunter being like he came after us we gotta put him down sort of thing until hunter has a realization of like oh wait no he's still our brother and blah blah and then everybody will hug him it'll all be fine but then crosshair will die but he'll die redeeming himself because it's star wars and you can't (laughs) redeem yourself without dying so i don't know yeah (laughs) it's 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 easy it's easy to write all of that in your head and then hope that they subvert expectation what i always say is please surprise me (laughs) right and whenever like we do like the like what do you want to see in the next season uh i i want to not see what's coming that's what i want and so far this series has done a very good job of surprising me at every turn so Maybe I've got it pegged. Maybe they're going to surprise me. I don't know. We'll see. We've only got three, three. weeks left. Have three we finished episodes, this episode yeah. yet? I, I, we have two paragraphs left. Why don't you go ahead and read the second right. last one? Sid and Record descend into the mine and quickly find a crate. Meanwhile, Omega and Roland, sitting with their binders in the parlor, talk. Wrecker and Sid finally find the last crate. As Hunter begins to pull them up, Wrecker's line gently taps a precariously tilted mining cart sending it crashing downward. The Erlings, awakened by the noise, soar upward. Wrecker calls for help, and Tech calmly provides a solution. Drop a charge, dropping a charge into the cavern that activates a flashbang. The creatures scurry away, and Sid and Wrecker make it back to the Marauder. Sea muscles? That wasn't so bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, this was... That looked awesome. That flashbang was sick. Oh my god, was that not a beautiful moment? Like just yeah, that just, was, yeah, that was the, really the cool. visuals on that were so cool. The 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 swirling swirling earlings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then yeah, that the 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 massive flashbang and uh, the whole the whole thing. Yeah, really really cool. Um great moment. Uh, reminded me a lot of uh that uh the moment that I always call back to in uh in Clone Wars when they when they blow up all the uh the what's it, the rhydonium rhydonium yeah the star and it's destroyer. like the yeah, yeah. And it's like the A big those colorful like explosion explosions well that was that was really like the first time on the show that like or like in the animated stuff where i was like <clears throat> oh they're like they're like trying to push boundaries with this one like th- that's why this star wars works so well is that like that's what you know with other other star wars Sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Let's say like comic books or novels. It feels a lot like let's copy paste Star Wars into something and make mm. a new story. But good Star Wars is always striving to to push the boundaries of of like the visual part of the medium. It, it goes part and parcel. I think it's one of the reasons why I like The Force Awakens as much as I love it. It doesn't really. I don't know. Like it definitely utilizes modern tech for for the visuals, but it doesn't there's nothing in the Force Awakens that I see and go, well that's never been done before. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um if any if anything the Force Awakens kind of went backwards and was like, "Hey, look at the steel pecker." 
And it's like, yeah, that's it's really cool that you guys made a puppet. It it doesn't look good though. You guys know that, right? Like like it it looks like a puppet. <laughs> and not in like the cool way that some of the other puppets in that movie look. But like it looks like you guys are just yanking a head on a string. <laughs> like um yeah, so The Force Awakens always kind of has always kind of felt a little bit like, yeah, you guys made a modern Star Wars movie. With the, with the other two, they did cool stuff, and and with Rogue One and with with Solo, I feel like we did stuff that was like, oh, that's cool. We've never really <laughs> we haven't seen that. We haven't done that, right? Like, uh, uh, the Last Jedi with the the Holdo maneuver is like, okay, that was incredible. Um, like the visuals of that are are breathtaking, mind blowing. Um, and then I. Uh, uh, with Rise of Skywalker, the one one of the very few things that I will credit it with is the 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 um, the 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 battle between Rey and Kylo Ren, where they're in two separate locations, but they're lightsaber fighting, and the way that they like shot both locations, cut between them, and then built the set that was both sets, so that they could do that one turn. It's like like that was awesome. That was super cool. But yeah, I like I find Star Wars is always at its best when it's when it is pushing the boundaries. Resistance, another one where I'm like, it looked neat, but I don't know that I don't know that Resistance really like pushed the visuals as much as um, as Clone Wars or Rebels ever did. Uh, uh, and uh, like certainly uh bad batch is like every week on bad batch they do something else where i'm like are you kidding me like yeah. that is amazing like we talked about uh, a couple weeks ago like that shot with the clouds that is like burned into my mind like that image <laughs> is like is is seared into my my retinas because it was so beautiful and like i have thought about it no less than like 10 times over the course of the last couple of weeks of like that was really cool. And they did all of that. Like, it's not like they did a matte painting or something like that. Like they did all of that digitally and so cool how they pulled off that lighting and stuff. Um, and yeah, this was one of those moments as well where it's like, that's, that's rad. Uh, but yeah, what season is that? That's season five of clone wars, the Rhydonium thing. Yes. Yeah. The, um, yeah. The droid artist. I'm pretty sure that's five. Yeah, there's a. Right? I think there's a moment in season three or four where Ahsoka, like they're they're fixing something. I can't remember what it is. They're like fixing something. Like oh, she like opens the panels of something and like goes down inside, like the guts of a ship to fix something. And the lighting in that scene, I think it was season three because I think it was like it was pretty soon after she got her new outfit. Okay. Um, uh, it might have been it might have been during the the Geonosis stuff. Um, but in any case, like she goes down into this thing and there's like beams of light, like sort of like just the way that the light is kind of like coming in through and 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 like the interplay of the light and shadow on the characters and the and the environment where I was like, that's like I like they spent a lot of time on that. <laughs> it like it was one of those moments of like, like they're doing stuff on this that other cartoon shows, other CG shows are not doing. And that's kind of always been the thing it, with the exception of resistance, where I feel like resistance just looked like 
I don't know, it looked like Dragon Prince. It looked like a bunch of other, like the, you know, CG shows that pretend to be anime. Mm. Like, I don't know. That, that to me feels like a gimmick. It doesn't, like, it loses its luster really fast. There's some beautiful shots in Resistance of mostly of the Colossus. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, there's also a lot of, I don't know. There's a lot of weird lighting stuff because they're trying to do that cell shaded thing. Never works. And I shouldn't say it never works. It rarely works. You have to do a lot of cheating because like cell shading in anime is there's a, there are a lot of cheats. I I talked about this on resistance a lot and, and, and you can chime in cause you, do cell shading in, in your <laughs> illustration as well. So you'll, you'll probably agree with me on this. When you do cell shading, there's a lot of times where you make a decision where it's like, well, technically if I was being accurate to like a 3d model of this character that I've drawn, I would put a shadow here. Yeah. But I'm not going to. Sometimes you can't. Yeah. Sometimes I'm not going to because it's going gonna, it's gonna to block it the face. Or, yeah. yeah. So you, you, you make the, the decision of, not what looks right, but what looks good. What mm-hmm. or, or you know, actually, I shouldn't even say it that way. It is, it is about doing what looks right because sometimes doing what is accurate doesn't look right. It 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 actually comes Correct. off as as Correct. as weird. Mm-hmm. Um, so you cheat, you cheat, and you go, you know, essentially like if if you were doing it in three D you'd be putting a key light in a weird place that makes no sense mm-hmm. that like, if you like zoomed around the environment, you'd be like, there's no light coming from that direction. The sun is behind him. Right. Like, like stuff like that where it's like, yeah, but I'm going to light his face because I want to, I want to see his face. I don't want the, my, face my cheat that with that is whenever I feel like something needs to be more defined. I just second light second, yeah. secondary light. And I do it all the time. And, and, and it just it immediately makes yeah. everything look more volumetric and awesome. And, and they do it in film all the time, right? And yeah. It, yeah. it's a thing that I think that we're very used to in film. And and they they didn't do it as much as I would have wanted them to on Resistance. And actually, I brought up Dragon Prince, and that's a really great example because I think that Dragon Prince does the which is it's a show on netflix for people who don't know it does the anime cell shaded look better than resistance mm-hmm. did in my opinion i don't i'm not a, i'm on the fence about the way that they do the the uh on the twos uh, uh staccato animation style to try and make it um look like it's hand-drawn right to make it look more like it's anime mm-hmm. um it's one of those things where it's like yeah but but in actual anime, sometimes they're not on twos. Sometimes, sometimes they up that in a fight sequence in order to make. Are you the talking fight about how like the three D animation will be like two, three, four frames per second? Yeah, exactly. And it's like stuttery. Yeah, yeah. yeah I don't really like that style. Yeah, honestly. And and it's not it's not actually to me like it's not actually true to the thing that they're trying to homage, which like Resistance didn't even bother. They they just went like full full fluid. 30 frames right mm-hmm. um but but i uh, but like that staccato sort of like like that stuttery look it when you look at actual anime it's like yes that is there sometimes there's zero movement in a frame <laughs> all that's happening is like maybe they're moving the lighting or maybe they're moving um uh, maybe something is like sort of bobbing as like it hovers in the background or something like that and the rest of the shot is completely static 
um, except for maybe a train moving in, like in shadow in the background and it's, and everything else that brings it to life is in the sound mix. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you'll get stuff like that. And then other times, like I said, like for a fight sequence, they might crank the, the frames per second up in order to like, like in something like ghosts in the shell or something like that. Right. Where it's like all of a sudden you're into these fight scenes and they're drawing more frames than, than they were five minutes ago for sure. Um, in order to make it look like the characters are doing what they're doing. Right. Um, so it's like, like whenever they do stuff in CG and this is what, when you listen to Joel Aaron talk about a lot of the stuff that they do on bad batch and that they did on clone wars and even rebels, he does talk a lot about where they cheated about where they went. Like and and I know that this shouldn't have been this way, but for the shot, we did this in order to make it look the way that it looks. And like mm-hmm. I've, I've said before on the podcast, if you ever have the opportunity at a star Wars celebration to go to one of his panels, I, uh, you never, it's never like a line to get into them. It's always, it's always easy to get into his panel because it's always like kind of off the beaten path. Um, but it is like, they're some of the best panels that I've been to at a star Wars celebration where like, he just gets into the nitty gritty of like on the last season of clone wars. These are all of the cool things that we did. Um, and, and like getting into it and a lot of really cool behind the scenes stuff. If you care about animation, which every once in a while we, I, I remember that this is the, the star Wars animation podcast and you know, that we're called rebel cells. <laughs> I, I've got a, get into I've got animation. a short anecdote kind of yeah, related to that. Uh, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm sure you are familiar with the 180 rule when setting up a scene. Um, I actually learned about the 180 rule from Dave Filoni directly because it was, I think, Celebration 5 where people knew who he was, but it wasn't like a big deal yet that Dave Filoni was there speaking. And he did a small panel about, um, it wasn't even Clone Wars. Like, it was just like, kind of just like an animation sort of thing. And it was just him talking. Like, the no slides, no presentation, anything like that. It was just him kind of giving whatever, uh, you know, talk that he wanted to give. And then he opened it up to questions. And, like, this is this is how empty it was. I was in the first row. Like, mm-hmm. I was, I could reach out and touch Dave Filoni. And yeah. the room did fill up, but it was a very small room. Yeah. And I don't even remember what, remember what my question was. But I think it was something about like, hey, so when you're setting up a scene, what 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 exactly is going through your mind in terms of set dressing? Like, how do you figure out, you know, anything that's not important, how to not, I guess, fill it too much or whatever? Because I always get really overwhelmed when I'm trying to figure out what should my set dressing be? What's too much? What's too little? And he started he started telling me about the the uh, the 180 rule. And I'm in, I'm realizing right now that this isn't really a very interesting story, but this is something that I have literally applied every day that I have storyboarded. Or I'm done on I'm on the edge of my seat. Whatever. So like it's, it's, that's not a joke. Like I'm like I'm literally like like <laughs> please please give us this give us the rest of this story because if it came from Dave, then it it is I uh, uh, it is sage wisdom. Uh, I mean, there really yeah. isn't even that much left in the story. It was just no, no, the fact ahead, that like. Dave, like, imparted this thing on me that I probably should have already known, but didn't. Like, I I went to art school for four years. Like, I just, to give you some context, I graduated in 2008. 
I just finished paying off my student loan last year <laughs> and I didn't learn something as basic as the 180 rule in art school. And I w had a degree in comic book art and they didn't teach us this. And Dave Filoni taught me the 180 rule and I use it every single, almost every single day that I'm drawing something. Anytime so I'm setting up a scene, any kind of sequential artwork, um, I use this and it's so important. Uh, what were we, we going to say? Uh, no, so so for the for the the listeners, like like lay it out, like like. Oh yeah, sure. So I guess the easiest way to describe it in kind of layman's terms is: let's say you have a scene where um, it's, for example, we have two characters having a conversation, right? Yeah. They're just in a room having a conversation. You basically kind of draw an imaginary line. Uh, usually between those two characters and you are going to treat the room that they're in kind of like a sitcom set, right? Like you have the whole set built behind them and behind you is the camera, your, your, your eye is the camera, but the camera doesn't turn around when you're filming a sitcom because what's behind you when you're filming a sitcom, the audience is behind you. Mm -hmm. So you have to treat it as if you're building a kind of like a family matters or a full house kind of set, because what you do is you're essentially saying, okay, all of the character, you know, the character who's on the left, who's looking at the character who's on the right is going, unless his body language is changing or whatever, he's always going to be on the left looking to the right. The character who's on the right looking to the left is always going to be on the, the, right side of the frame looking towards the left unless you know something really drastic one character's hurt or whatever but the basic is what you're doing is you're helping keep the um the action just kind of visually connected from shot to shot there's a thing called yeah. juxtaposition where juxtaposition basically just means the relationship between um you know from from one shot to the other or from comic book panel to comic book panel because when you change things like that, if you were to flip it, you're essentially, you don't realize you're doing it, but you're kind of flipping the expectations of your viewers. You're telling them that I should be uncomfortable right now. There's a reason that this is changing and they don't know what it is. Yeah. And it call, gets distracting. We call that crossing the axis, right? So exactly. And, and there are, there are lots of really great examples of crossing the axis. Just look it up on YouTube or something like that. There's reasons to do it. And that's the yeah. thing, right? Like you, all of, you all definitely of these things... want to cross the axis every right. once in a while. And usually right. it's when like, like, okay, let's, let's set up a scene in bad batch. I, I, if you were in a scene where it's like a showdown conversation between, Let's say let's say it's I uh, I uh, uh, what's it the war mantle guy what's his I uh, uh, Rampart Rampart it's Rampart and Crosshair and they're having a conversation <clears throat> and Crosshair is not realizing that Rampart's about to turn on him right so we're on one side of the axis and we're we're staying consistent for this whole conversation but in the moment that Crosshair realizes that Rampart is actually his enemy. You cross the axis. Mm -hmm. You make everybody in the room super uncomfortable, right? Right. Like you, you would use that in order to communicate Crosshair's emotional state of like, oh no, my world just got flipped upside down, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh, this guy that I thought is my ally is actually my enemy. And then when something happens in the next in the next moment, 
like in in the next part of the scene, whether it's Rampart pulls a, a blaster on on that would probably be like the moment, right? If it like you're having this conversation and then Rampart pulls a blaster on on Crosshair, that's the moment when you want to cross the axis because you're like you want to feel what Crosshair is feeling in that moment, that disorientation, because right. all of a sudden it's like everybody in the room just moved around, right? Like that's sort of the 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 feeling that it's- it gives the viewer. It's establishing a normalcy first, yeah, right? Yeah. Like but you have to be so careful about it, and you have to be so right. calculated with it. Because if you execute it wrong, it's just disorienting, yeah. right? It's it just becomes confusing, and it it's, and when exactly. you have, it's confusing, and then when you when you have a moment that you can like, here's your moment of impact, and you don't use it, but you use it already, it's like it's gonna. Yeah your brain's going to register that, oh, this is kind of falling flat, and I don't know why. And it's not like it's necessary to do it for every time, you know, you have an uncomfortable moment or whatever. But, you know, it's one of those things that when Dave was telling me this, he's like, look, it's called the 180 rule, but rules are meant to be broken. If you're doing it in the service of the story, yeah. you're not abusing it. You're, you're, it's a tool for you to use. Yep. And I remember walking out of that room like, I want to go home and draw right now. Yeah. Yeah, totally. No, and and that like that, Dave and Joel and and I always like talk about Joel Aaron because I I personally have like a a mission where I feel like he doesn't get enough credit for the success <laughs> of these shows because he is so integral to it. I mean, he's the cinematographer, right? Like, mm-hmm. like the the reason the show looks the way that it does i it's cinematographer is probably not the best way to put it he's the the dop he's the director of photography right and i i mean i think that's actually that might actually be his actual title i uh, i think it might depend on the show but the way that the shots are lit sometimes right down to like the way that they've been framed and that sort of thing like in 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 the in their final versions we have him to thank a lot of the time and that visual storytelling the color tones the the uh, atmospheric stuff, all of that stuff that like in a in a movie, like a live action movie, it's a little bit of a different thing. And it's funny because because you're seeing with the volume with Mandalorian, these worlds start to blur together of of animation and live action, because in it, like if you're out shooting a movie on a location, you have some control, but you don't have a lot of control. So you're picking your locations based on these things, these elements that you want. Um, whereas in animation, particularly in in CG, uh, you are in such an um, such a massive amount of control of your environment. Mm-hmm. And Joel Aaron is the best there is at creating those environments. And obviously, he's got a whole team behind him, but but he leads that team. And, and he has done such a good job of that, um, which is why one of the reasons why, like, I just always bring him up and, and, and his incredible achievement at Lucasfilm animation, um, in ensuring that this stuff is, cause you know, like, like there are a lot of animators out there, uh, and there are a lot of productions and most computer animated stuff doesn't look even remotely like anything that Lucasfilm animation does mm-hmm. in particular clone wars and, and bad batch and like bad batch has just like pushed that so far now into feature 
uh, quality territory, right? Like, like these episodes look like movies every week. Isn't that crazy? Like something so stylized looks like a movie. We've said that in the past about stuff for sure. And, and it's been true to a certain degree, but on bad batch, it's really, really taken a, a, a massive leap. Um, and I think by virtue of the fact that a lot of the models already exist, a lot of the pipeline mm. is already there. So the 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 budget is going into this other stuff. So so Joel and his team are actually able to spend the time uh, and and the budget on achieving the look that he wants to get. And I think it's like it, it it's a big part of why even in an episode like this that it was kind of. Eh, <laughs> you know that uh, they they there can still be some moments in it where you're like that lighting is exquisite like it's just so, <laughs> so there's so much care and attention to detail in it that that you just can't help but be like just say wow like when that flashbang goes off that's what we're talking about here when that flashbang goes off it is that's a wow moment and 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 uh every every episode when something like that happens i'm always like i always have this moment of like whoa i can't believe they just did that and then go like believe it they do it every week like (laughs) stop being surprised by it and yet at the same time every week i'm surprised by it when they pull off these moments and i'm like i've never seen that before um so yeah i and i think like going into the end of the season <clears throat> we're going to see some stuff. I, if we get this battle with the clone troopers in on, on Camino guaranteed, it'll be pouring rain. It'll just be like just <laughs> a deluge, which will look so cool. And it will be hundreds of characters on screen fighting. And, um, and, and like we talked about in the Ryloth stuff, it's going to be impressive. It's going to be something that we've never seen before, which is one of the reasons why I really hope that that's where we're going. And that that's, that's, that's a story thing that's about to happen because we've gotten a lot of really cool action in, in bad batch so far, but it's a lot of, it's been pretty intimate. It's been like sort of either one-on-one or, or like sort of these smaller skirmishes. We haven't gotten like a, a battle of Mandalore or even like going all the way back to the Clone Wars movie, like we haven't even gotten like a Battle of Christophsis moment yet for mm. for this. Um, uh, the closest would be in the premiere when Bad Batch shows up. We kind of get yeah. a little bit. There's quite yeah. a few characters on screen in that battle, but it's all like Bad Batch comes and does all the work, right? So, right. Like I want to see like the season five, the beginning of the Ma- the Battle of Mandalore, like the the Obi Wan and Anakin stuff that's at the beginning of that arc. I want to see that in bad batch, like with, with the, like yet another year of them busting their butts to, to, you know, push this medium forward. Right. Um, I I want, yeah, I just want to see the next evolution of that. And even more so I want to see, I want to see clone troopers fighting clone troopers and stormtroopers and just be like, just be like, what's going on? Like, I just want to be totally just, do you think we're going to see stormtroopers yet? Do you think we're going to see stormtroopers next week? Yes. Yeah, wow. I do. I mean, I think, we know we got the models, right? Like, yeah, we'll I see them eventually. But I think we're gonna. I think we are going to see our first stormtrooper helmet next. Wow, week, okay. for sure. Yeah. 
Um, let's finish off this episode (laughs) with the spice returned. The pikes deem the matter resolved, but not with Roland Omega and Sid try to intervene, but the crime Lords will not hear of it. The leader brings down a blade cutting off one of Roland's horns. Uh, it's a small price to pay. Roland says, I guess he wasn't quite as, uh, uh, cool about it as, as I just was in that reading. But, uh, uh, Omega returns Ruby to him and Roland leaves. I like that Omega is like, here's your dog. Uh, Hunter asks Omega why she stuck up for Roland after what he did. I don't know. Ruby likes him, she says. Maybe he's not all bad. Uh, yeah, I yeah, I like that. I like that Omega kind of picks up on that, that there's that thing of like you can you can tell whether a person is is a good person or a bad person based on how they treat animals. <clears throat> and that's the whole reason that Ruby is in this, right? Like they put that, that element into the story. There's a million ways that they could have distracted Roland and his guards from like got him out of the office um, in order to infiltrate. Right. But they decided to do this animal as the way to do that because it gives you this relatable thing with Roland. Another one of the reasons why I say like we will see this character again. And the next time we see him, he'll be an ally. Um, mm. And uh, uh, yeah. Why would you want a crime boss as an ally? Well, cause you're fighting other crime bosses and yeah, I would, I, I think that we're going to spend a lot of time with Crimson Dawn and the huts and the pikes and black sun and all of the crime syndicates next season. I think that's, I think once Let's the, get she's away. I think once <laughs> on. the, 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 um, once the stormtrooper stuff is, is dealt with, like once, when, once we've gotten through that transition period and it's like, Oh, we're not using clone troopers anymore. It's stormtroopers Now I think that the shift of the, of the story is going to go from, um, the establishment of the empire to the empire is established. Let's see what, how the galaxy reacts. And mm. that's going to be through the, the lens of the, the crime syndicates. Um, because that's such a, like, like they obviously set up a whole bunch of that story in solo that never got completed. Right. Um, and I and I think that we we're gonna see a lot of that in Bad Batch. Is it going to be the same story that they might have had planned for Solo? I highly doubt it. I think that we'll see that stuff adapted and moved around. Um, but but I I I think that like when Dryden Voss is like that would you know like then we risk all out war with the the crime syndicates. I. That the fear that he has when he says that is not of a it's not a hypothetical fear. Like that is a, a like clearly this happened at one point. <laughs> and I think I think what's gonna happen is we're gonna see the like sort of the the genesis of that. Like I think that we'll see we'll see Darth Maul sort of come back into play and and Crimson Dawn and all of that. Um, especially the fact that Kira is currently in the, the war of the bounty hunter comic comic series. Like they've got that going on. We've like the crime syndicate stuff from clone wars. That's all kind of been laid. Like the groundwork has been laid. 
all of the assets exist for all of these different crime syndicates. Maybe we'll throw one or two new ones in, like we're talking about with the the uh, with Roland and uh, and and uh, what the what are they the Durand, uh, mm-hmm. uh, whatever their crime syndicate's called. Um, he's got a symbol on, on his stuff and, and like all of his, his enforcers all have this same symbol. That's like a new symbol. I, I, so it's like, I, I, that, that visual language is all in there and it's been a part of a lot of the animated stuff so far. So I, I, I really think that like, this is just all, this is all set up for that stuff and that the bad batch is going to basically be running missions for the crime syndicate sort of like like within this larger story so that we can like touch base with dryden voss and get his origin story and uh and and maybe get to see darth maul uh from a distance sort of thing and uh and and yeah she's or like let's like yeah let's do it we brought give me she's please we brought thrawn into into rebels right let's want let's bring she's into into bad batch um, and like reinterpret that character, bring him out of legends, um, and 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 into canon, right? Um, how fantastic would that be? Uh, let's rapey Shizor though. Yeah, let's. Yeah, yeah. Let, we can <laughs> certainly evolve that a little bit. Um, yeah, I, uh, but the last time we saw the Black Sun, I uh, really like like their leadership all. Uh, lost their heads <laughs> uh so uh yeah so we're like we're in the perfect position for to to introduce a new leader of black sun um or whoever took over after sort of after all of the darth maul stuff fell apart right because <clears throat> for a little while he was the leader of black sun because he was leading all of the crime syndicates um but yeah that's that's my guess that's maybe that's just wishful thinking maybe it's just what i would do if i were telling the story but i've been right about stuff in the past it could happen it could happen you, again. you've been you've guessed a fair amount in my uh yeah. in my time here uh well and and over the course of front lines i i think i i i guessed quite a bit <laughs> um the my track record on that show is pretty good uh, <laughs> uh, cool. Let's uh, let's jump into the mailbag. All right. Phantom, this is Bulkrum. Come in. Sir, we've received a transmission from someone using our subspace frequency. Fulcrum. Incoming transmission from the Rebel Cells. Fulcrum mailbag. Already over on social media, I. Uh, <laughs> I paraphrased Indiana Jones and said, Bugs, why does it always have to be Bugs? Uh, Were you creeped out by this week's new episode of Star Wars The Bad Batch, or is it just me? Um, Because I did, like, there there was some of the stuff in this where I was like, this is, I don't like this. (laughs) Not in like, oh, I don't want this to be the story, but it just in the like, oh, I'm uncomfortable because of Bugs. I was worried That's how that I they feel were with giant be, spiders. Whenever a yeah. giant spider shows up, I'm like, no, I can't wait for this to end. Well, when it was like all the webs and stuff at first, I was like, yeah. oh no, are we gonna Please, get? No. Are we gonna get more? Um, uh, uh, what what are they called from Mandalorian? Oh, that episode had me like, come yeah. on, please. Like I was go. thinking that maybe please. maybe we would get to see those again because they already have the models, right? Because they they uh, were in um, Rebels, so I thought yes. that that's what we were gonna see. But then we got these new ones, these early. Um, over on Twitter, uh, Spartan Danny at eighty-seven Zoo Lemons 
I, I tweeted at us and said, nope, we didn't get a close look at them enough to creep me out. The five-year-old was scared, though. Uh, which, yeah, I haven't watched this one with Kari yet, so I think she'll probably be be a little bit creeped out. And then uh, Depa Balaba is my Star Wars mother, uh, who is his actual name is Connor, uh, at Depa Banana. <laughs> I, I says, uh, I was personally not creeped out, but then again, Clone Wars scared the crap out of me with the zombie Geonosians and zombie Palpatine. Mm-hmm. Uh, suffice to say, if there's zombies in Star Wars, chances are I'll be terrified for days to come. So... Uh, yeah, last week when Kyle and I were speculating what infestation meant, I I had said, "Yo, let's bring back the brain worms. Let's get some yeah, zombie clones yeah. back up in here." Um, yeah, I yeah I thought that might actually be something as well, right? To to bring back the brain worms, but um, call back to that Clone Wars episode. But it was more of a metaphorical infestation um, mm. in reference to Roland and his gang, um, and then the bugs were just kind of a thematic element there. But I, I, that's it. That's it for the mailbag. Thank you guys for writing in. Um, and uh, like as we've talked about multiple times on this episode, uh, up next we've got War Mantle. Woo! I uh, hey, we, we've gone for almost two hours. We didn't really talk about this specific episode very much, but we did talk <laughs> a lot about stuff. Um, much of it was in fact Star Wars, uh, if you can believe it. So, I think we did it think we did it joe we we got there yeah i uh, there. awesome well thank you guys for listening and uh, and we will be back next week for the episode war mantle looks like bad batch is blasting off again Follow Rebel Cells on Twitter and Instagram at Rebel Cells and on Facebook at Rebel Cells Podcast. You can support the podcast in three ways. First, by going to the podcast service of your choice, leaving a rating and review to help others find the show. Second, by heading to store.thunderquack.com to pick up some merch. And last but not least, by heading to patreon.com thunderquack and kicking in with your monthly pledge of support to get cool rewards like exclusive podcasts and more.